Welcome to the St. Michael Fall podcast series. My name is Bob Johnston, and I will be leading our meditation today. Our theme this fall is discipleship. May you be blessed for the Christian journey. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. A reading from Luke chapter 7, verses 1 to 17. After Jesus had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, asking him to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, He's worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people, and it is he who built our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them, but when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, but only speak the word and let my servant be healed. For I also am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd that followed him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. Soon afterwards, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he approached the gate of the town, a man who had died was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. And with her was a large crowd from the town. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came forward, and he touched the briar, and the bearer stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, rise. The dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized all of them, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us. And God has looked favorably on his people. This word about him spread throughout Judea and all the surrounding country. Here ends the reading. A man was headed to a really important meeting downtown, but he could not find a parking place. He began to sweat and get anxious. He simply could not find one. Looking up toward heaven, he said, Lord, take pity on me. If you find me a parking place, I will go to church every Sunday for the rest of my life and give up drinking. Miraculously, a parking place appeared. The man looked up again and said, Never mind, I found one. In this meditation, I want to focus on both elements of that joke, important meetings and recognizing God. Focusing on the reading from Luke, I want to consider five important meetings in quick order. There is a wonderful timing here that brings two very different crowds together in the first meeting, but with a great contrast. On the one hand, Jesus and his disciples are rejoicing in God and what is taking place. Jesus healed the centurion's servant. Excited about the faith that centurion had, they head off into Nain. They travel there, which is about five miles south of Nazareth and 25 from Capernaum, where Jesus had been. On the other hand, the crowd following the widow and her dead son, her only son, 
make their way along. The funeral is taking place. There are professional mourners out front who are wailing and carrying on and playing flutes. The body is being carried in a briar, which is a frame that the dead bodies are carried on. Note just in that moment the great contrast that's taking place because of what Jesus does. Interrupting a funeral was a blatant breach of Jewish law and custom. Touching a briar exposed Jesus to a day's uncleanliness. Touching the corpse exposed him to a week's uncleanliness. That's the first meeting of these two groups. The second meeting is a meeting of two sons. The two only sons meet. One is dead and will soon be made alive. The other is alive but will soon die. Jesus, of course, is the only son and is in a much less intuitive way. He's the only begotten son of the Father, which means he's co-eternal with the Father. And the expression is one of relationship and less of literal meaning, but still a son. The third meeting is of the two sufferers. Jesus, the man of sorrows, as we call him in Lent, meets this twice-grieved woman. She's a widow and now has lost her only son. Looming in this is the terrible economic situation that she is probably going to face in that society. At any rate, Jesus has no problem relating to her heartache, and he had compassion on her. The fourth meeting we might point to is the meeting of two enemies. There is the meeting of the two enemies in the sense that we are describing death as the last enemy. And here, Jesus faces death in a trying situation of grief. Jesus, the ultimate victor, the Christus victor, will defeat death here and ultimately on the cross. As St. Paul says in Colossians, Jesus has disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in him. Still, there is an encounter between these two enemies. And what happens? As with the centurion's servant, Jesus had only to speak the word and the boys raised to life. It says that he sat up and began to speak. I wonder what he said. We're not told, but it must have been great. The people in the funeral crowd and the crowd with Jesus responded, glorifying God and talking of the great prophet that God had raised, and news spread. The very next account after this one in the Gospel of Luke is the one where the messengers from John the Baptist ask, are you he who is to come, or shall we look for another? In recounting these events as he does, Luke is asking important questions. Who does Jesus think he is? What do these actions say about his own role, vocation, and mission? This passage brings to mind a fifth meeting, our meeting with God. He's here. He's with you now. He's in our lives. How do we respond to him? Do we have trust that he can meet the funeral band we're in, the one of our problems, and heal them? We're always tempted to fatalism in things. It makes us passive and it makes us victims. This passage from Luke reminds us not only of God's compassion, but of his power. We hold to those in faith. Indeed, the opposite of fatalism is faith. Faith is deep trust that God's love is stronger than all the anonymous powers of the world and can transform us from victims of darkness into servants of light, as noted by Henry Nouwen. Do we dare to go forward believing that God's power still brings life into places that are dead 
or feel dead, this gospel lesson sets an example for us and gives us something to meditate on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to trust you. Help us to know that you still bring life today. You still give hope to the hopeless. You still have compassion for the brokenhearted. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join me as we continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, whose loving hand hath given us all that we possess, grant us grace that we may honor thee with our substance, and remembering the account which we must one day give, may be faithful stewards of thy bounty. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.